Welcome to Imperfect Allies. This is Chris. I just wanted to let you know we're doing something a little different now for you and the, your listening experience. So we're going to open this interview with a candid conversation between me and Richie as we discuss the topics for today's episode about conservatives versus progressive thought. Please enjoy. He's a political science professor. Uh, he's he's very conservative, and any time that he and I have he and I have uh, talked about any of the issues that where there's a right and left on, he has pushed back in a really great way for me. Like like it's well thought out. Uh, he pushes back against um, maybe like these little narratives that you hear about. Like um, I don't know. I just it, it it just feels like a person that you wouldn't want to talk to about mm-hmm. conservative things. And when he sent me a text, I, you know, he's like what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, the show's really about you, um, but we can really talk about whatever you want. He's like, I don't know. We could talk about ideology, fascism, tyranny, liberty, individualism, identity, race, whatever comes up is cool. And I was like, mm. so he's kind of in the mindset of like, he knows all those things are interconnected. And you know, um, so. no, I, I think that that'll be great. Um, can you run, run through that list again of what he said he might, he wants to talk about? Uh, so he said, um, ideology, fascism, tyranny, liberty, individualism, um, identity, race, whatever, whatever comes up. So, so uh, what I like about conservatives is the liberty, liberty and tyranny piece a little bit because mm-hmm. what from from what I've heard from their perspective, the left is being tyrannical with their moral yeah. moral claims and and they're yeah. about freedom and and individualism. So I think that would be fun because I don't think the okay. left really understands that argument for some reason. No, like it's mm-hmm. a, it's such a valid argument, but yet the left hears it as like an excuse to be racist. That's all you're trying right. to do, and it's like what? So, so I think that would be yeah. entertaining. Well, and I think it. I mean, I I think it's one of those things that once you break that open, the left and the right sort of fall away because uh, the left has these are the ways that you act. This is how you do it. And this is mm-hmm. morally correct. Mm-hmm. We have all this science to back it up. The right says this is the way that you act, and this is all the evidence we have to back it up. <laughs> Yeah, and they they are opposed to one another, or at least some things are opposition. A lot of things are opposition, yeah. um, and so to see that, and to see that 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 the the right wants to be censors as much as the left wants to be censored. Hmm. The right wants to stop atheists saying that there is no God, or you know, what I mean, like there's there's things that they would like to stop. They would like to stop that homos- you know, scientists saying that homosexuality is not a choice. You know, like there's there are things they want to censor. They want to censor nudity. They want to censor um, sex. Those those are you know consistently conservative. Where mm. the left wants to limit limit your language, um, you know that's that's a, that's really the big one with them. It's the language. That's the language piece is huge. Yeah. Um, so it's just really interesting when because there there really is no difference. It's just um, I picked this. I have come to this side when we're all searching for this stuff, and then there's this like as they so I think we all start start somewhere in neutral, right? Mm-hmm. And then they they we pull out and they come back and they just meet. They meet right there. There's this place where they the far right and far left will just you know we want to tell you what to do with your uh, the right wants to do with your body, mm-hmm. right? They want to tell you what a woman woman can and can't do with the body, uh, and the left want to tell. I mean, yeah. you, could tell, you could you could make a case that want to tell men what to do with their body. I, <laughs> yeah uh you know what i'm saying but 
Um, hmm. Anyway, it's uh, I just find that really fascinating. I find that really fascinating because they're they're cousins. I'm glad you pointed. Uh, out. I haven't heard it said so clearly. I like that. That is good. I I haven't thought about the right as censoring, but they they do have their own censorship. Oh sure, absolutely. 100%. They came up they came up with a rating system for music, for television and film. Um, yeah. You know, so that's that's a huge piece of that. Really, really the really the only censorship. <laughs> has come from the right. But it is now. I mean, it's a real threat in academia. Like, you know, Jordan oh, Peterson yeah. talks about this. And I and I agree. I agree. Yeah. That there has to be a, I mean, I mean, that's, that's tough. That's tough. But I, again, I'm not a marginalized group. So it's my opinion is not being marginalized. What we need. Well, no, nah, I mean, I just, I mean, do we need to miss, do we need to listen to what I have to say? Or do we need to listen to what marginalized folks need to have to say that are continuing to suffer under that? And I think that's important. And I think that, uh, I mean, at least, I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong, but see, but you, but, you're you're just saying you just told me you was like yeah you <laughs> and i i think of I like ben shapiro was talking about i, I mean because wow. even if he's a white jewish man and has a lot of things that he's not marginalized in you know when he goes on campus college campuses he feels attacked by the left because they're like yeah. get that yeah. hateful speech out of here and mm-hmm. um he was talking about um that he believes the marketing campaign of the republican party they didn't care about academia and so they're not present <laughs> they're just not there and mm-hmm. it is a, a mm-hmm. breathing ground for leftist ideology which is okay if you're leftist but it is sure it is uh marginalizing to conservative beliefs and as i keep mm-hmm. learning it sounds like conservatism and left um liberalism or, or not even liberalism now it's just progressivism yeah those are personality types right and you don't pick them, which is kind of scary to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and also too, like the po- policy-wise, um, you know, I think the right has a really hard time with with answering some of the questions that the left is trying to answer. So the right's answer to poverty is ridiculous. You know, they're talking points about it. Now their policies on it, mm. uh, you, we could, there could be a debate, but like they don't talk about this is how we care for the poor. Right. This is how we care for orphans. Uh, this is how we care for um, you know, widows or things like that. They don't talk in that way. Uh, and um, but just because the left talks in that way doesn't mean their policies do match. it. Correct. Ooh, wow. You know Ooh, write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's all. That's in here. That's that's deep. That's 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 uh, well thought. Um, wow. And and the other way around. I mean, there's there's lots of you know we talked about a couple of weeks ago about um, if you if you try to stop uh, if you tried to legislate a corporate entity's uh, policies. Mm-hmm. If you try to interfere with their policies, that's anathema to to conservative thought until it affects them, mm-hmm. and they want to shut down Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff because it's quote whatever. Um, and I yeah, so so it's uh, yeah. If it comes off as hypocrisy, I know there's a few mm-hmm. right people who are saying it's they just think it's bad business on Twitter's move yeah. and things like that, and and that's yeah. probably the best right way to say it if you're sticking to your guns. Um, mm-hmm. But but what you were saying before. I used to just I could not comprehend why there aren't more talks about race on the right. This was before mm-hmm. I understood individualism and the whole identity of like you don't have to subscribe. 
subscribe to your race, right? Because that's right. part of it, I think. But um, mm-hmm. but I, it used to baffle me. And now Trump is a horrible orator in the first place, or at least for the leftist point of view, he's really bad. He speaks to mm-hmm. other things. But um, mm-hmm. it was just like, bro, dude, just say racism is bad. We we want to do everything we can to get rid mm-hmm. of it. But he can't even like speak about. It. They don't even mention it, and that mm-hmm. always baffled me because your policies are dope in a lot of like I've I've seen dope right wing policies. Sure. Sure. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being conservative with money, <laughs> right? You know, the government spending. Let's let's slow that down. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, or and, and also less bureaucracy. Yeah. Oh, you yes. Know? That's also another thing. It's a it's a cornerstone of conservative, quote unquote, conservative. You know? Sensible makes sense to me. Yeah. Right. And and personal liberty. It's another one that the left does not talk about personal at all. And the, the, the crazy thing to me, man, is like is you have Ruby Ridge and George. Floyd, and it's the same fight mm-hmm. in that a tyrant has killed these people yeah. through these structures, and so are tyrants all along down the line. And yeah. it affects it, it, is, it doesn't affect just you know just black, just white, just poor. It affects everybody in the country. 100%. And and some people feel protected by that tyranny, and some you know, and most people don't because that's why most people have voted um, to have to have voted for uh, traditionally. Uh, see, that's the thing, though. There's a I heard today that there has in 32 years a Republican has not won the popular vote, and I think it's 2016. Did that happen? Did he win the popular vote? No, no, he didn't. No, so you're going so to in 32 years, Bush, the senior. Yeah, so we're Bush senior back then because Jimmy Carter. That was, I don't know, but um, you know Nixon was a real. That was a real deal for the Republican Party. Like that was. Yeah. They had to really recover from that because we were also more proper Victoria, you know, Victoria, whatever. But um, but to say that, but Clinton, for instance, Clinton created the three strike rule. Like um, Clinton was a Republican. And <laughs> so Clint- oh, he was. He was. He was in a lot of lot of ways. Um, especially uh, to me, especially in the way that he dealt with like interracial issues. Mm. I'm, I'm the first black president. And also I'm putting 2 million more people in jail during my term that have been there before. Yeah. Okay. Well, who, okay. So, you know, that kind of thing. And so, but I, I think that there is this, there is this view that it's, I don't know, that it, it's a left leaning country. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, so, I don't, I don't know if it, anyway. The, the, Sorry. the Republicans feel as though the path to being a Republican is maturity, is age. And you, mm-hmm. uh, because Ben Shapiro was even talking about when he was, you know, this was seven, eight years ago, but, but yeah, Trump didn't, yeah, this was seven, eight years ago, um, where um, Ben Shapiro was saying, hey, we need to be speaking to the youth because the colleges are getting real liberal out here. And his, mm-hmm. re- the response he got was, they're young, they'll grow out of it. Let them, like, it's just a mm-hmm. process, it's just a phase. And, mm-hmm. Um, and so they aren't targeting the youth. They aren't doing the mm-hmm. things that um, that really grow the the marketing side of things on the youth mm-hmm. side. And right now with the internet, culture is so much more expansive that the youth culture is, it, it's from the bottom up now. Like whatever the youth movement is, whatever the internet mm-hmm. is pushing, 
it, it expands everywhere. And so, you know, you have years and years of more and more college students being liberal. And then you have social mm. media and stuff. So even kids that aren't in college are now liberal because they're adopting that media as media is typically liberal anyways. And so mm. it does feel like the city or the, the country is becoming more and more liberal. But it's also mm. cities and cities still only have so many electoral votes and cities still only have so many mm. this and so many that. So like the popular vote, I think, is going to always not reflect the right or I don't know how you feel about the Electoral College. I personally love the Electoral College because it's designed to make sure that there's always some kind of balance of the rural family and the city family. They don't want too much power. It's It goes back to the same reason small states didn't want big states to have all the power and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's important to a yeah. republic that's it's a, this big. Attempted <laughs> equity, yeah, yeah. For sure. I get that. I get that. And people people disagree yeah. with that because the popular vote, if you are on the left, you've been killing that thing for a few years now and you're mad mm-hmm. that it doesn't result in the results you want, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I yeah, that's an interesting thing because the um, the electoral college, I, I think on the surface looks like it gives more weight to somebody in Idaho mm. versus somebody in New York City. And I think people feel that, mm-hmm. like feel that like, oh, well, while my vote is one vote, that guy's is one two votes. And I think that is, I think that may be a misconception or a, an emotional catch that people don't get, can't get past. Right. I mean, I think it, I think it's this, a similar problem with segregation, right? Like it's just, you know, you want to say it's, you want to say you're treating this thing separate, you know, equally, but it's, I can, I'm clearly unequal. Mm-hmm. No, that's all complex. But um, I don't know. I mean, well, the I, rural I, person, I'm, the rural person feels the the popular vote is slanted immorally. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. even though it's a vote. Yeah. But but because we're not yeah. a we're not a uh, democracy, like a legit democracy, we're a republic. Mm. It, it, republic, yeah. It's that, and I don't think people understand those things either. Like right. just right. The, the the simple understanding of the constitution, of the laws, of of government. Those things aren't really well known either. So it just mm-hmm. we voted the no, it should just be a straight vote. But like I, mm-hmm. I was on, I was playing video games with my friends and my buddy was like, I don't get why if the president's doing a bad job, we just can't fire him. Like, why does it have to go mm-hmm. to all this litigation and all? It's like, yo, you can't just it's the leader of the free world. Like, you just you can't mm-hmm. just cut him. Like, there has to be some bureaucracy because mm-hmm. otherwise everyone would be would have been cut like we we we're treating it as though the government is like voting for our our favorite person on american idol to win and it's like whoa it's it's way bigger than that and i don't know how to communicate that without like i keep getting i've been called a fear monger (laughs) richie a buddy of mine is like dude you are fear mongering ridiculously like calm down it's not that scary like it sounds like you have really um what is i forgot the other terms to use but it's just these these phrases to basically marginalize and make you sound like crazy and i'm i've never spoken fearful things to anyone i think what i was saying like so a buddy of mine is really for uh minimum wage to increase and i'm for minimum wage to increase too but right there needs to be some groups that can opt out 
of it so that they can get a job in the first place. Like they need to be able to have some kind of leverage because if you're a criminal, I'm not going to hire you if I have to pay you what I have to pay everybody. That's just right. how businesses operate. And this this Republican, mm-hmm. this Republican, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? Representative. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. The, this Republican representative is fighting for um, uh, ex-cons to be able to uh, opt out of minimum wage. And the mm. left the left is saying he's racist because he knows the black people are, are ex-cons and he doesn't want them to have more money. And it's like, mm. no, he's he's hard. He is a hard sell as a like getting a job. And if you mm. are a capitalist, your leverage is how much you're willing to, to charge. Like if David was like, yo, right. I'm only going to charge you all 100. We're like, sold. You're, mm. You got our business, yeah. right? That's that's. Right. That's part of it. But leftist people don't understand that. And I, I brought that up. And he was like, you're just fear mongering. And you, you've you been indoctrinated with that. Ca- oh, ec- you, you. That sounds like economists. What do you say? That sounds like economist narratives or something like that. And it was just mm. like, it's a con. It's, it's actually <laughs> economy. Like, I don't. Yeah. How do we get to this? How do we get to the fact mm. that just the basic tenets of economy is yeah. twisted into fear mongering? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. And I, I well, I mean, I think I think too like some people some people want to fight against political power some people want to buy, fight about against ideology mm-hmm. and that's that's where the far left like the folks that are like we need to, to destroy the republic and bring in either communism or socialism i think um i think that group is super small okay super small i mean um I but it's, it's there <laughs> yeah because it sneaks there. in my timeline and i'm like oh i didn't know my mm-hmm. friends were way out there like that okay good to know <laughs> Well, and they have more in common. It's so weird because they have more in common with liberal uh, libertarians, right? Than far than far right conservatives who want to tell you where you can go and pray and you know church stuff and all that. So it's it's uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, did you see my friend uh, who's in he's in the Dallas scene and he was like, I just want to cleanse the world of conservative thought. They need to be gone. Yeah. And I was I know, like, yeah, yeah that, that, that's scary. Like, how do you mm-hmm. just because it's well, yeah. I mean, when it's when it's the enemy of your ideology and and um i mean yeah yeah and it, it is it is scary because we had to me we had an enemy of my ideology in the white house for the last four years yeah you know like everything that that dude stood for i i don't i i i want highly regulated capitalism i want democratic socialism you know like yeah. i want the wealth of the country to be shared with the country you know and 100%. and really make this place um, a, 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 a land of opportunity and um, deal like and also too one of my values is dealing with the past in mm. a in a honest forthright way and um, the uh, left does want to deal with some of the past, past yeah but they don't want to deal with their past and the right wants That's to right. deal with the left's past but not but there. not with their <laughs> You're good at seeing these I mean, little things. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so wow. I don't know, man. I, yeah. It's it's. Uh, so I get. I mean, I get. I get the sentiment because I think I've been that angry. Yeah, you know, and it's just that each side slips into hateful speech so quickly. Like on on my mm-hmm. buddy that said I was fear mongering, um, and t- gave me that that little spiel. I I I, I just spoke clearly because again we're trying to be effective communicators. And I said, hey man, like there are marginalized groups that 
will not be able to effectively compete for a job if every mm-hmm. single person is getting $15 an hour and I'm a businessman and this person has a convict record, yeah. I'm not paying them the same wage because I, there's a, I'm just not. That's just the risk how, is too high. It's yeah. too risky, mm-hmm. yeah. And so mm-hmm. I said that and he goes, dude, if we had the time to care about marginalized groups all the time, we would get nothing done. And I was like, damn, aren't you that's, on the left? <laughs> Bro, it's there's no difference. It's just ideology. It's so different. I was just like, I it's quoted crazy. that. I quoted that shit, sent him back to him. I was like, this is how minorities get left out, bro. Like, what do, what are you yeah. talking about? And that's and that's not why. And that's why the Democratic Party is not the party for the black people. Exactly. And it, it 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 they're they're doing a better job in a lot of areas. They speak the to it as well. They they speak to it as well. There's not there's not a there at least is not a silence about it. Um, but yeah, man. I mean that the the it, you know I, I think if we read like the color of law or one of those books that talks about the policies, it's it's the Democrats are the parties are not blameless at all, and the conservatives can ride that like Lincoln's coattails for <laughs> that's not, crazy 30, 30 presidents or something they do that's not thirty pre, right thirty we got thirty presidents since Lincoln it's not the same it's not the same party and it's not and they they both have they both have crossed crossed over back and forth because Democrats were the reason that there were segregated schools oh yeah yeah the Democrats were the re- <laughs> like. But, but because it's our group now, we don't talk about it versus the groups don't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that, um, it's, it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to equate it, equate it to sports, but like, I think it's like the, the D eight, the designated hitter rule or whatever else like that, that controversy of like, you're ruining the game. It doesn't matter what the teams, hmm. what teams do what, like, that's not the issue, right? The game is being ruined by this thing. And I yeah. think that's the focus, you know, uh, that seems to be our focus. Because uh, I mean, if Mitch McConnell will push through legislation that will will inc- uh, increase equity in the country, I'll support Mitch McConnell. I don't care. Right. Like that's not. I don't care about the teams. I care about the game and like um, who's who's you know who's able to play and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's mind blowing. Fairness. And, like I feel like at this point we could say like both parties have messed up royally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it, it needs to it needs to stop being so tribal and so team this and team that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just I I again it's that that Tower of Babel BS. It is so hard to effectively communicate what you're trying to say mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the other ideology. Like it is mm-hmm. it is so hard. And I I would love for us to really figure that out. And I think this conservative guy coming on Gerald, I think that's a great opportunity for us to try because it yeah. again I, like I said we are a new niche. We are the left side trying to mm-hmm. have maybe freedom of speech, which isn't a term that we can use because that will turn away the left right Right. so we have to come up with some kind of way to communicate Mm -hmm. that we're we're having open dialogue but in a way where the left is like oh i like open dialogue maybe open dialogue is better than freedom of speech right yeah Um, Yeah. you know empathetic open dialogue of marginalized groups and Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. conservative cool yeah cool Mm-hmm. Um, this I, this even might might be a fun thing to put in front of of Gerald's episode, you know, like have it. Mm. You know, this is what we talked about now, and then talk to him and see. Oh, like we had, you know, I don't know, who knows? Because to me, he's a real wild card as far as like he knows some conservative shit. I don't know, he knows some facts and figures and stuff, and I'm like, I I, I can't, you know, I, I haven't been able to dispute in the past or something like that. So, right? Yeah. 
You're listening to the Imperfect Allies podcast. That was our sneak peek into a candid episode. To hear the full thing, join us over at Patreon at Allies Imperfect. Now let's hop into the interview. All right, everybody. Welcome to Imperfect Allies. This is Richie. I'm Chris. All right. And today we have, uh, I'm very excited about Gerald McAllister in the house. Welcome, Jared. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, so Gerald and I met uh, in the wonderful community of improv here in Fort Worth. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history and and um, and who you are. Oh, man. Um, well, I got my Ph.D. at UNT in political science. I did a little bit of teaching for a while. And um, currently I'm working in the tech field, do security, work with a lot of big companies around the world and uh, governments and everything. It's pretty exciting. I like it. Um, I'm a native of Fort Worth. I've lived in Taiwan for a while. Wow. I lived in Mexico for a while you know i grew up in uh fort worth you know in the you know 70s 80s and early 90s when it was a pretty uh you know it was a lot more violent of a place used to be the murder capital of yeah. the nation that's crazy it's uh yeah. so yeah. It, i mean it was a completely different time and you know i look completely different at the time too um I remember having a bald head i had a tail going down to my butt and, you know it was <laughs> yeah. the gang beads and the hair you know and everything like that you know it was uh, it's a different different times different life and you know it feels like you know just a completely different world now and uh lots changed and learned you know learned a lot you know about myself and about the world and so i'm uh you know here to engage and uh, this uh, show now, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be, it'll be interesting. So, I mean, we, it definitely will, man. Uh, so, uh, again, thanks for coming on the show. And one of the questions we show or talk about is, what are the, some of the boxes you check? What are the what are the populations you belong to? What are the <laughs> Worthian? Uh, oh, what else? A, what else? Yeah, you know, like I identify as Gerald. You know, I identify a guy as a guy whose back itches all the time, and I can't scratch it. So I got my back scratched here this is goose i named my back scratchers and um i'm an academic of course but you know a little estranged from that community i'm not no longer a professor or anything um i work you know in the private sector now ethnically you know i'm hispanic and white hispanic through my mom's side grandfather from monterey and um so when I was young, of course, you know, I grew up more in the, the gang culture. I don't really, you know, identify with, you know, a group very well. I, I feel like any group I'm with, I'm, I'm very different than that group, um, d- despite who it is. I mean, I do have an affinity for my, you know, Hispanic heritage. And um, I'm also a politically conservative. You know, some people would define me <clears throat> that way. And um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, I, I can, you know, in our uh, in our talks, one of the things that we talk about a lot is individualism here. Yeah. Um, something that Chris is kind of diving into and, you know, it's something that he hasn't had a ton of experience with. And it's, it's just it's uh, it's really good to have somebody, you know, from the conservative side of things to talk to, <laughs> because as a left as a left leaning person, I would consider myself a progressive at the same time, like I'm not. I'm not unable to criticize the left or progressive movement, right? But it feels like, and even the far right, it feels like there's no place for criticism. And, you know, I, I come to believe that criticism can be a form of love or at least a, I, I, I want this to be, you know, this movement or this ideology. I believe in it so much. I want it to be well. And, and anyway, um, it's just good to have you here is all I'm trying to say <laughs> two minutes later. Again, uh, so <laughs> I, I'm curious about the... The, you said you used to be in academia and then you kind of fell out with that. Can you tell me what what's the story there? I'm curious. 
Uh, you know, when, when I went back to col- college for my PhD in, uh, in 2007 and 8, I think a lot of people did. And I think that just sort of the basic economics of it is too many people went back. Hmm. And then we all started getting out and there weren't enough jobs. And that's sort of the simple form of it. I mean, there's other things, too. With the, uh, well, you know, with the Affordable Care Act, they um, if they kept you for too many hours, they have to pay your health insurance. And so what they started doing, because we have adjuncts, and in academia, I believe they started keeping more and more adjuncts. And basically, so, you know, I, I get my PhD, I go and I teach, and I get this check every month, and it, it, I felt like it said chump on it. Because mm. it, it, was, it was just so low. And, and I was like, man, man I, like, I worked too hard for this. And it didn't seem like there was really any escape for that uh, from that. And um, I, I did, you know, get shortlisted. That's, you know, a good thing where, you you know, you get interviewed and you go for the interview. And, and I do remember, you know, the ideological um, aspects of it. Um, you know, I asked mm-hmm. about, you know, their student clubs and stuff. And when they mentioned like the Republican student organization where they all start laughing like it's a joke. And and I just remember, you know, just my experience in college. I remember getting shouted down by professors sometimes by, you know, trying to speak my, my point of view. It, it was a... Yeah, I don't think they really realize it. Um, you know, they, they do have a, some professors that call themselves Republican, you know, and they are probably like moderate liberal Republicans. But um, th- there was a survey done by one of the professors at our university that looked at uh, professors in the you know social sciences and interviewed them. And uh, over a third of them said they won't hire somebody if they're conservative or if they're um, wow. you know, religious leaning. And the number of conservatives in academia fall into the single digits in percentage rate. So it, it, I don't feel like it's really a welcoming place for me anymore. And also, I think maybe a bigger deal because I was still willing to, you know, be a professor and everything is, you know, after 300 applications, you know, it's just, you know, I, I reached this point where it was just getting depressing. You know, it's just, you know, like beating your head against a wall. You know, I'd get up and, you know, I just, my whole body just like wouldn't move because it was like, stop doing this to yourself. And when I decided to, you know, switch careers and to go, I felt like this whole burden just sort of lifted off my shoulders. And wow. within like two years, I'm already making as much as I would have been as, you know, <clears throat> on a full track professorship. And um, I feel like academia itself is, um, I don't wow. I don't want to call it a joke. You know, I, I did learn a lot of good skills. I mean, I, I do have a lot of statistical skills, methodological skills. I did do a paper and a um, top, top journal in my subfield. You know, I calculated war probabilities based on regional power balances, and it's very technical. And, you know, I have those abilities. And, you know, I feel that's a beneficial thing. But um, at the same time, you know, I think something needs to change. Um, People are racking up these college debts. Um, I got my master's without ever taking out a loan, but I can't say the same thing for my PhD. You know, I had to take out some loans for that. But something has to change with academia and the whole way we do college and education. I I think it, I, I feel it needs to become more modular, like, and more in sync with, you know, the, not just the private sector, but government and, you wow. know, every, everything out there, um, you know, with, with what the needs are of, you know, your community at large. <clears throat> and, I, and I think there's sort of a separation between the two and you just end up getting all this education. And, and I had people not want to hire me because of it. And that's not the way it should work. And so I felt a burden lifted from my shoulders when I left that. So it was um, it was sort of a big thing because it's like it's part of my identity. You know, like you spend all this time in there It's part of who you are. And 
you have to change who you are. And, and that's sort of a big thing to do in your mind. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I wonder, um, so so I know language is a big issue um, in, in academia, like the sort of the moderation or censorship of language uh, sort of from a left-hand side. And, and people will get upset with me saying that, but that's, I think a lot of academics have come to that, like, hey, that's a thing that's happening here where, um, you know, we don't have open dialogue anymore with, with these ideologies. What do you hear about your particular ideology that's, that's so uh, abrasive or offensive to, to another? I mean, what are, the, what are the things that kind of go around? Well, I think I think um, let, let me talk about it like sort of in, in the historical perspective of what these ideologies actually are, because I don't think most people actually think solely in ideological terms. I think we're more tribalistic. Well, I mean, we, we we align with a party rather than an ideology. But at the same time, these ideologies and thoughts, they permeate society. They're, they're sort of behind the scenes in a way. And let's talk about conservatism, because I think it's a good reference point for everything else. So conserv conservatives, um, conservatism, it, it refers to a lot of different things that aren't the same thing. A lot of different groups around the world and even throughout U.S. history. What it is, is to conserve means to use something wisely. And the, with the modern day conservative movement, which really, I mean, the term's changing and I'm not even, I'm not even as comfortable using it to describe myself anymore. I, I consider myself, I might even start calling myself more an Americanist because the, the thing that I'm thinking about conserving is the conservatives, you know, and the big talk radio shows and things that their type brand of conservatism is conserving the ideals that the founding of this country were built upon, that were individuals with inalienable rights endowed on us by nature and nature's God. Those include life, liberty. Those both come from um, the Christian political philosopher John Locke um, in his second treatise. And the pursuit of happiness, which comes from John Locke's um, essay on human understanding. And it's not a materialistic pursuit. It's an intellectual one about a higher moral order, a higher, um, you know, terms of intellectual pursuit. And a lot of people get this wrong about, you know, individualism. Individualism doesn't neglect community. It acknowledges community because your community describes your potential. It, it, it provides to you what the potential is for your growth. You can't, you know, grow, you can't um, pursue happiness in that sense without like a broader context. And that broader context, you know, in the founding was the natural rights that were all created equal. And those those basic ideals that, um, you know, we didn't live up to for, a lot, you know, a lot of our history, but it was still there. It was referenced by Martin Luther King. It was referenced by Frederick Douglass. It was referenced by Abraham Lincoln to become better as a society, as a national society. And one of the, one of the things that they taught was character. And that's an individual pursuit. And character is, um, so you know, it deals with how we treat each other as human beings. Um, if, we're, if we're made in the likeness of God, I mean, you got to treat people, you got to listen to them. They have a right to speak. They have a right to be um, not a right to be heard in so much that you have to listen to everybody, you know, necessarily, but, you know, a, a right to not be silenced. 
And, you know, they, they wrote, you know, these rights, some of these rights into the you know, Bill of Rights that, um, and a lot of them had to do with the rights of the accused, a lot, most of them, because, you know, when a government becomes tyrannical, everybody becomes a criminal. And, um, I mean, you saw that with the French Revolution, because if you have unprincipled revolutions, um, if there's no principles to rest it upon, then you, it, it just keeps going and going until everybody becomes, you know, a target. And um, same thing, you saw the Cultural Revolution in China. Mao Zedong, you know, this sort of outlived his usefulness in a way in terms of, you know, bringing about this revolution. So he, you know, demands this ideological, you know, purism that, that becomes sort of God in of itself. You know, if you reject like this higher order of um, morality, then you have to find it somewhere else. You know, all men are created equal or we're not. Um, either we, we, we have individual rights endowed by our creator, or we do not. Um, these truths are either eternal or they're not. And anybody claiming to progress beyond those ideals are not pre progressive, they're regressive. And the ideas they come about are just new forms of tribalism. And so you have this sort of ideological, you know, struggle within our country. And the, the progressives, um, so you have you have this, these terms, progressive, liberal, conservative. And, and liberal really, you know, for most of my childhood, referred to people who had the same foundation as the conservatives did. They just believed in a more active government to bring it about. And there's, and, and, but, and you get this more progressive element, which really didn't um, take hold within the, it really in the Democrat Party mostly. I would say over the last, 15 or so years. I think Occupy Wall Street was a big sort of turning point. And now I, I feel like you get a lot of these ideas, but you don't just get the progressives, which, you know, or I sort of think of progressives as, you know, sort of nice people, you know, like they want to, you know, they still want to, you know, believe in human rights. They don't, they don't talk about natural rights, but they talk about, you know, human rights, you know, because they believe more in a government role in that. And, um, but, you know, we can find, you know, agreement. But it also opens the door to a lot of different leftist ideologies, too, I believe. And um, you're getting these things like um, critical race theory and so forth, where you, you got to where the founding is the whole endeavor of America is in its DNA racist. And if, if it's in a, if it's down to its DNA, well, you got to destroy it, which is the, you know, the whole Marxist <clears throat> Marxist goal in, in the first place. And, and so you can see this um, and the attacks on the individual themselves. Um, you know, you, you can't be, especially, uh, you know, I see this a lot against black conservatives, you know, like how, what, they, what they're treated to and, you know, the, the, a lot of violent assaults on them and um, the names that they're called. I mean, you, you saw, you know, the, the thing between Snoop Dogg and, you know, when he was, uh, when he was calling out, you know, all these different um, black conservatives and, you know, calling them the C word. And, you know, it was just a, <clears throat> you know, it, it's you, when I see this, um, you're a certain race, so you have to think a certain way. That to me is reminiscent to what I was reading in the Uncomp. It's um, where Hitler theorized Aryans and Dutch and, you know, it's a, um, where we're basically 
culture creating people. Um, East Asians and Hispanics were culture preserving people, but they couldn't create culture. And he said blacks and um, Jews and gypsies, you know, the Roma were, um, were basically culture destroying people. And it, it sort of, and the, the Nazis would say, you know, we think with our blood. It, it was um, <clears throat> sort of the ideas. And, and I noticed that, you know, fascist movements that were of a single ethnic group, like the Nazis, Nazis or the Iron Guard in Romania, like there's a biological deterministic element to it. Um, but it, it's, um, I, I think it's incredibly destructive <clears throat> on, you know, uh, how we think of human beings. And, and, and I think for a lot of us in the, you know, that believe in you know, the founding ideals and conservatism, we, we really want to protect the individual, individual's relationship with their God and how they choose to pursue that. It, it was the Baptists early on that um, came up with the reasoning that if the government dictates to you who, you know, you should worship, that's counterproductive. You know, that that's not a true relationship with God. And I hate to interrupt you, Gerald. I do have a question about that, though, and, and a couple of things that you've talked about. So, so with that specific instance, we see that fight in uh, sort of our mo current state of, of these two ideologies or multi, looks like it sounds like it's a multi, a rainbow of ideologies kind of mishmashed together from from hearing you talk, which is great and informative. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, because so, so, we're individuals. We don't think in, I'm an academic, so I think in, you know, those terms, but most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> but but like the the fight where we see the fight to keep the Ten Commandments in the in the courthouse and the the fight to keep Baph the the statue of Baphomet out of it right so where where and and that's I see I see a similar thing too here with uh, the the cancellation of Twitter and Facebook for a lot of conservatives. Um, is you know when I was I was raised conservative I was raised you know Texas conservative Republican um, and uh, when I I would have never wanted uh, to have the government regulate almost anything in a company like that was anathema right you don't want any regulations they can regulate themselves you know we have this is how they're pursuing their individual rights of building this company and they've you know um, but then when but then when that shifts to well um, you're silencing my voice we need to get in there and and you know, and regulate, I, I see uh, those, you know, Sam, so there's those two examples, but like, I see that opposition and I, I'm just curious how you deal with that. Okay. Um, yeah. The, with the, okay, let's go to the Twitter, uh, Facebook thing. Um, <clears throat> trust busting, um, monopolies and so forth. Um, we haven't really dealt with that. I mean, there was a case in the nineties, um, but it hasn't, it, it hasn't been something we've really dealt with in our lifetime as much. It's like said standard oil, really, right? Standard oil is the last, was that the last or AT&T maybe? Standard. Yeah. Yeah. So but the whole idea behind it is when the market becomes anti-competitive. So, say in the case with uh, Parler, um, the uh, conservatives going to Parler was a very recent thing. Um, that they had a, a superior business model, and I think it was you know really more about that, like an opportunity. You know, it, it was sort of you know an opportunity to do two things: a political goal and also an anti-competitive. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it wasn't. It's not a monopoly uh, by the um, definition. It's more like a cartel. You know, where they they 
sort of cut them from out of, you know, the marketplace um, so that people do not have a, a choice, you know, to um, select, you know, uh, which uh, which uh, social media, you know, uh, outlet they want to go to. But the, the thing with um, the Twitters and, and Facebooks is that they have, we have this, we have these things called, you know, you might have heard this, you know, the publisher versus a platform. Um, platforms aren't not responsible for the content put on. They follow the law. They got to follow the laws, but they're not responsible for the specific content that's put on their platform. They get legal protections from that. But in doing so, they serve a public purpose. Yeah, I mean, think of political parties. Political parties are, you sort of think of the, like there's two, these two major political parties. Really, there's a Republican National Committee. There's a Democrat National Committee that aren't very influential. You got Texas, you got a Texas Republican, you got something called, you know, Tarrant County Republicans, Dallas County, and they're, they're different entities, different private entities. But they have... Um, um, these primaries, which are sort of part of the election. And there was a, uh, early on, there was a lot of uh, efforts to exclude African-American voters from some of these primaries. And so we got into this debate, you know, is this a private entity or is this more public? And you get this sort of uh, public-private um, cooperation, you know, <clears throat> in private companies that take up, you know, public public goods. Um, you have private companies that, you know, do wa- our water for us and our energy for us. They got to follow laws they can't discriminate against people. Um, same thing with, with platforms. They get these legal protections um, for being platforms, for allowing, you know, being a space for essentially free speech. Now, if they want to be publishers, they can do that. They can pick and choose who they want to put on there. But then they're subject, they should be subject to legal ramifications for the things they put on there. And we have a law right now that sort of, it, it um, I, I forget, I read the history the other day and I just can't recall it, but it was, um, is it 230 law, two, that, that um, law that says basically, um, it protects these platforms from, it protects them like their platforms, but also gives them a lot of discretion over you know what it is they want to post and everything like their publishers and it's something that needs to be addressed and i think there's bipartisan agreement on that are, is it similar to saying like you know encore could say all right we're not going to give power to any racists <laughs> is that kind of the same i mean is that kind of the same thing is that what they're i mean it's similar yeah yeah i mean it, it, i think so the same principle i guess the underlying principle you know i'm not an expert on the exact laws or of those, but you know, you got public utilities and everything that they do have a public purpose. And the when it comes to the Twitter and Facebook, there's a lot of debate over it. I mean, it's not like this is a settled question necessarily, but I think the um, sort of I think the conservative point of view is that for a free market to thrive, you know, they got there's got to be sort of clear rules on how this is done, and you can't have a cartel of you know people in Silicon Valley sort of um, you know that keeping competitors out of the market like what they did with Parler, um, even if they say, you know, it was for a different reason. And also, you know, when it comes to censoring political content and everything like that, well, they're acting more like a publisher in that sense. Um, you saw what happened, you know, CNN and all these uh, news outlets with, um, uh, what was that kid's name? Um, the one was, uh, he got into it with a Native American guy in Washington, D.C., and they said he was uh, mocking the, the that Native American gentleman and everything, but he wasn't like the, the it, when they showed the full video like they were just standing there and <clears throat> he ended up winning like all that money from them because he can sue them but you know it's a private city they had to shut down i think they had to shut down their his school from all the threats that the, you know that were generated by that 
Right. Well, and I, I see that kind of thing where there's this like narrative, not only with like, not only with, I see that with CNN, I see that with Newsmax, I see that with w, WSNBC, I see that with Fox. Like there is a narrative that we're going to, and by that I mean the story that we're going to tell is, look at this racist dude making fun of this Native American guy. That's the story we're going to tell. Um, and the facts outside of that, I'm not saying that's for every story because I, 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 we have to, we have to trust journalists at some point, at some information. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. This whole, this whole, like that, that's a whole other thing. And I know we're all over the place, <laughs> but, but I mean, that's another thing too that I'm like. No, no, it's, it's, I, think, I think it's all related, really. It's um, to so, sort of these uh, basic beliefs, the principles, underlying principles that uh, undergird our nation and how we treat each other as individuals. And you got these competing narratives as to what this nation is and what it's about, and not not just the the historical, you know, sort of. I mean, you take you take like the the original, you know. Abolition versus um, those who are pro-slavery. Those who are pro-slavery didn't want uh, didn't want the you know these ideals that were at the federal level to extend to their states. Um, they, they they said uh, well, you know you don't have it you know uh, you, that's that's the reason like the term states' rights. A lot of uh, people on the left like to associate it with racism because sometimes you know the racists use this argument. Um, the thing is is they also tried to push a, a lot of um, you know stuff at the federal level too. Um, um, they were just usually outnumbered. Um, <clears throat> the um, but uh, but the, the, the thing is, you know, it was well, we're not part of that, you know, narrative at the federal level. Well, you know, once it, you know, sort of spread, it took took forever you know the 1960s you know is when I, I think you know you get rid of this um real systemic racism at you know this this large level within the united states and um you but now you know and for a few decades there you sort of i, I don't know the debate was sort of uh, we had the same rules i guess um in the minds of most individuals and we're losing that and I feel like we're losing these um, sort of basic uh, morals, you know, that I talked earlier about the individual and the individual within their community. And the community defines what these, uh, what your potential is. And, and that's the reason, you know, why a lot of these um, sort of tyrannical ideologies, I believe, try to define people into groups and define society into groups. I mean, the whole idea, like Mar any Marxist ideology, uh, the first Marxist ideology, the, the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. In Maoism, it was the peasant versus the landowner. In Leninism, it's the developing world versus the developed world. And, and then you had, um, this is sort of a Gramsci. Um, Gramsci was a contemporary of uh, the uh, the original fascists in Italy <clears throat> who um, believed that they had to push it through the culture and, and find divides within the culture. Jared, I guess I have a few questions. So based on your um, presentation or, or explanation of conservative thought and what America is, a lot of those terms that you use had a um, a viewpoint of the ideology of not being about ethnicities and not being about tribalism. And so, you know, for a left voter who hears that their ethnicity should be disregarded, right? That is how that kind of is translated, right? Those uh, those thoughts and the way that is explained comes off as though therefore racist because the idea of their race or their ethnicity should be maybe ignored or admonished. They can't tell the difference between what what your intentions are based around culture. And so can't like is there a thin line like uh, uh, because on the left it just looks like conservatism is anti-ethnicity and anti-culture because of what you said 
about, um, you know, the Marxists and the communists and all the different groups that use ethnicity to tear down the individual. Right. So you, you have when, when I spoke of community earlier, community can, can be defined in so many different ways. And it could be ethnicity, your ethnic group, like, you know, if that's who, you know, you relate to and how this um, pertains to your potential, you know, your um, the ideals you strive for and um, that pursuit of happiness is why I referenced it early on. Um, I was just using a more, um, I guess, general term because not everybody's, you know, always defined themselves in terms of ethnic groups. And they might not always describe themselves in terms of ethnic groups. Um, when, um, see, the thing, the thing with um, these totalitarian ideologies is like with uh, China and their creation of the Zhuang, you know, this uh, group that sort of uh, defines everything, it sort of overcomes the individual. The individual becomes insignificant. And I guess that's what we're striving against. And I guess it's because of the, the current state of things. And it wasn't always like that, you know, with, with people that were constitutionalists because, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Frederick Douglass, he spoke about this to um, uh, basically to abolitionists. Um, and he gave a speech during the 4th of July. And he basically told them, you know, um, what's the 4th of July to me? You know, you know, because he escaped from slavery and um, he still had so many brethren that were, you know, enslaved um, in, in the South. And he says, you know, this, this national narrative, it, it doesn't speak to me. And <clears throat> He, he he shifted you know over the the decades later he um he became more of an ally of Lincoln I believe uh, Lincoln's wife gave him his uh it was his walking cane uh, Lincoln's walking cane when he spoke at Lincoln's funeral and um this uh and even you know when Martin Luther King spoke about um when he quoted the Declaration of Independence it, it, it's something that um it, it, these people these individuals these great individuals they were recognizing their own culture but they they're recognizing it within a national culture, and it, it's uh, the sort of the conservative viewpoint when it comes to different cultures in the U.S. is that we have this basic individual rights, individual liberties that pertains to everybody. You have a choice to be a part of this community or that community. Um, you have the freedom, whereas you know a, a Marxist. Um, <clears throat> like a the critical race theory approach to it says you do not have a choice and the community we believe that when because we're not bound to a single ethnic group in the U.S. United States we're enriched by all these cultures that come into the United States I mean remember when I talked about uh, a while ago when I talked about value and how it creates sort of hierarchies well let's look at that hierarchy by national national heritage just in terms of our income levels. The, the top 10 highest income earners, there's only one European group in the top 10. That's the Basque. Um, <clears throat> there, there's uh, Australians are in there too. They're white, you know. South Africans are, you know, you got blacks and whites. And uh, South Africa is majority black, but in the U.S., the, the immigrants are, are more white. I have to believe they're more a Jewish, you know, more Jewish um, South Africans. But um, uh, Ghanaian Americans, Nigerian Americans, Egyptian Americans that they have higher incomes than the median white income earner. Um, so it, it, it's 
I guess, you know, I understand what you're saying and, and you're right because um, what people in the conservative movement need to do, because we're all patting ourselves on the back, you know, oh, 12% of the black vote, you know, like, you, you know, it's, it, it's really nothing, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? I mean, it's not nothing, but it's it's nothing to be proud of. Um, what, what, what we need to do is reach out really because, you know, we're about entrepreneurship and reach out to those, those uh, black entrepreneurs to be more, and, and Trump was trying to do this with these community programs and things. And, um, you know, but it's something that's going to take a long time. And I don't, I don't have all the answers, but it's something that we need to address. And I think, I think with these, uh, you know, these black conservative voices that the left just, demo, you know, it really despises um, the, uh, you know, you got like a Candace Owens or, you know, even like a Thomas Sowell or, um, <clears throat> you know, th- these. Uh, They're easier on Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, but, yeah. you know, it's a. Uh, Different people believe, you know, differently. And it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, we need more voices like that. Um, and I think we're going in that direction. And I believe this trend, I don't think it was just Trump. I think, I think he, he changed the Republican Party. The, the um, he, um, during the primaries, he got, I, I believe, over twice the vote that Obama did in the primaries during his midterm election. Um, he brought a lot of new voters into the Republican Party, made it more of a, a worker-oriented party um i still uh, you know i still got huh and I think the same for Bernie. The Bernie did the same thing for the Democrats. I think. I think Bernie did the same thing for Democrats. I mean, coming in and, and really, really moved that to a more more left than they've been, at least more progressive than they've been. Well, yeah. The thing I, I think you know, like if you're coming from the left or you're coming from you know a conservative point of view, um, what you see in these parties is really an establishment. And I was speaking about that elite class earlier. And, and I think you're you know on the left, they talk about these um, you know things that they never implement and on the right they do the same thing and it's um and you know the, the people are getting fed up with that and you have a podcast here i believe podcasts are now like the freest form of communication now in, you know for political discussion in the united states um so it, it's uh you know we got a ways to go um but i, I think you know in terms I, I would really like to see you know ethnically speaking like a like a you know similar you know, not where, not where the Democrats are like all about the, you know, the minorities and Republicans are not. And, and Republicans deserve a big part of the blame for that. They, um, they, they ignored the black community. Um, you know, it's, uh, and they're trying to make inroads now and um, we'll see where that goes. So I'm curious, how would, how would you answer this question on what is the most important thing, classism or racism? Like important, like, oh, class. I mean, really, like, uh, the, the term class, I mean, we don't really have, I spoke about an elite class. We are starting to get an elite class of people that are just sort of above the law and above, you know, the rest of us in some ways. But we don't really, aside from that, we don't really have classes so much in the U.S. I, I think we do have a lot of problems when it comes to um, racial divides in the U.S. <clears throat> and I'll speak, you know, specifically, you know, from a from a conservative point of view, what we look at it is not the evidence. The biggest predictor of um, success for an individual in the United States or really, you know, in in almost any society is a two-parent household. And uh, and unfortunately in the black community, there's this um, you have what what is it like a 73, 74% out of wedlock wedlock birth right now. And that makes you 
20 more times likely to end up in prison, makes you, you know, several times more likely to end up um, impoverished. Um, You also have failing schools. Baltimore, I don't think, had a single student pass basic math um, the, the, the whole school district. I mean, what the hell? Um, and that's why, you know, on the conservative side, we're for school choice. Um, if you can choose your own schools, you can choose a better school. Um, you're not locked into, and, and you know, you hear all this thing about systemic racism. I, I think about the system. At the very basis of the system, we have, you know, the declaration. Um, you have the constitution, the federal level. You also have a bureaucracy and you have cities, you know, you have city government and, you know, state government. And I do believe, you know, at, at many of these city levels, you do have um, barriers that prevent success. And it, it's not that it's so much directed at um, Americans of African descent, but it's rather ge- geographical that a lot of Americans of African descent live in these cities. And it's these big cities with these political machines where you're locked into these failing schools and you're not given the opportunities that the rest of Americans have. And, and I believe that if you push for school choice, you, I think that could be the next civil rights movement. That could be the next, you know, growth and freedom and individual liberty. The pursuit of happiness, like again, it's an intellectual and a moral pursuit. That intellectual part, you, you can't pursue it if you're not given, you know, if you're not taught the basics. I, th- I think it's a the intellectual piece is just also an awareness piece. So I'll, I'll share my personal story. Um, so personally, you know, a lot of the conservative ideals, the individualism, what the conservatives consider as American, right? Just basic American foundational things based on constitution civil liberties all those things none of that stuff made any sense to me because um the way it was communicated to me was it was basically explained that my own agency is what is the reason why i'm wherever i am at that time and so if i'm in a uh, place that i would consider to be uh, oppressive it is my own fault and there's a lot of strength in recognizing maybe the choices that I made to lift myself out of um, a current situation. But I think what is misunderstood on the right is that so much of the black experience is that I va- I have to value my blackness because I've been told that it is less than. And because of that, I truly, truly care about my race. I truly, truly care about my culture. And when you have conservatives that speak as if like blackness is not something to speak about, it's like something to be almost ignored. And, and the discussion is about this individual, this this great American who has never really looked like me from the stories, then every, every, every little bit of communication that is coming from a right wing pundit or advertisement or anything it is always overlooking me because it doesn't speak to my race it doesn't speak to my culture it doesn't speak to my group and and our collective community and so you see this growing divide like like you said the the republican party has not done a good job of speaking to the minority groups and i think a big piece of that is they don't blatantly just speak about race like they because it doesn't fit the individualism right It, it 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 is exactly counterintuitive to speak about individualism and at the same time speak about culture, culture, black, black, black. And so I'm curious, do you see a way where the right will just start talking about race just like as blatant as possible, just as the left is? Because if it is the ideology thing, then I don't know why race can't be adopted. I don't know why um, blackness can't be a part of the Republican movement as well. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. I think if you uh, if you turn on any um, sort of talk show host, you'll hear them talking about race almost daily. Um, 
they, um, especially like locally, uh, you know, I l- listen to some of the local ones and they talk about, you know, um, like Dominique Alexander, you know, the leader of Black Lives in Dallas, you know, and um, <clears throat> they talk about, you know, this out, out of uh, wedlock birth rate, which is high in the white and Hispanic. It's like 50% in the Hispanic community. It's American culture at this point. It's American. It's American. Yeah. And you know, this uh, like, a, like a tangent here. When I was in, um, when I was in uh, Taiwan, um, I, it actually, it was my Americanness that I would see these women, these hot women with a kid, and I'd be like, I wonder if she's single. She's never single <laughs> because they, they don't have that problem there. You know, it was like, and, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it is something that's, um, you know, a pandemic here in America. And again, you know, that's really, you know, from a conservative point of view, because according to the statistics, two parent households lead to more successful um, more successful individuals. And, and I saw this growing up too. Um, back in the um, 80s, I, I remember because, you know, I grew up when I was young. I grew up, I was living in Stop 6 area. And I remember sleeping on the floor with all the gunfire going off all night. The, the thing is, though, out there, I mean, they had a bad crime problem, but it still felt like there was, a, you know, sort of a community out there, a culture. And then I moved into like Southwest Fort Worth. And when I did that, you know, this is very racially mixed, but they had a lot of these houses up and down the street. So my mom's working 70 hours a week. This house across the street is slightly bigger and his family's moving in and out of it and they're not working and the, the, the reason was it eventually got rolled into section 8 housing but it was some different program at the time <clears throat> and it was like this social experiment to like bring all these people together and but the, the problem was is that you, you had these families and um, if they made too much money they would lose their home and the father had to stay away because the father that was there they would make too much money the kids couldn't work because the kids worked they would make too much money you they have to move into a smaller house. And, and you know, some of them were white, some of them were Hispanic, but a lot of them were black. A majority of them were. And so you get these perverse incentives. And if you ever watch that uh, History Channel show back in the day, Gangland, they talked about this and when the federal government was doing this and how it, um, in uh, places, I guess, like Detroit, maybe, or Chicago, and then they had these, you know, these projects and everything and how it created the situation. And then from there, I don't even think it's so much the government anymore. It's just, it's gotten into the culture because of that. And it's it, it just spread and it spread among the poor, but it affected the the African-American community more. And so you get a lot of this and then you end up getting crime and then you end up getting this anti-police, um, you know, attitudes. But when you take surveys, people in these communities that are, you know, mostly African-American, they, they want police in their neighborhood. They want that security. Um, so, uh, you know, lack of security, a lack of police funding. And, and that's, a you know, another tangent I'll go off on a second. But, you know, and the schooling and, you know, the out of wedlock births and this is really in conservative conservatives conservatism we talk about this all the time and how to solve it and uh, yeah and well so a lot of the things you're saying i've heard because i listen to conservative talk a lot and i guess what i'm noticing is there's a distinct different between how race is discussed on each side and the right talks about racial issues and the the problems that are imposed on different races but um i don't hear any discussion of black strength of of black empowerment of black growth like i i hear the focus on schools 
I hear the focus on neighborhoods. I hear the focus on crime. But I don't hear the celebration of black power and black strength. And and those things are detrimental because for me as a black man, I want to hear a, a Republican say, you know, this is black power right here because this is a person that had school choice. Right. But connecting it to our cultural like foundation i think it gets ignored because when you see success on the conservative side it's the individual and so they 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 drop their race they drop their culture and you celebrate the individual as the ideology fits right and that makes sense but what is missed is the opportunity to celebrate the race and to celebrate the culture and for that to be a beacon to others who might be on the left who are black but they i mean I, and this might be a totally different experience for you but personally i see black first i see me first i've been i've been raised in this racial dichotomy that black is me i am black my my friends are black like the, my people are black so so if I see an individual succeed, but I don't hear about their blackness, it's like, oh, they're not even talking about me. They're talking about Thomas, um, Thomas Sowell, who he, I heard this and I thought it was ridiculous because it just speaks to the disconnect. Thomas Sowell is a, uh, um, a professor at this time. And one of the black students comes in class and says, hey, my brother, because that's how black people interact. And he says, I am not your brother. I am not your brother. What? Like, why not? If, 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 if well, he might not be religious, but if you're religious, we, you know, brothers in Christ, but you know, our culturally we're brothers. If not, we're brothers in arms. We're, we're fellow Americans. It's like there's this consistent need to shed yourself of the culture that we have. And, and that's what we see when I see Republican talk. And I agree with some of the policies, but it's the, the, the way that it's communicated. It just always comes off as if, hey, stop all that culture, leave all that at the door, and then you're welcome. And, it, you know, I think Italians face that. I think it's a part of American society as well right you know different groups have faced that like you said european groups coming in they had to face these same things but it's just for the black experience i shedding my blackness is hard and it's unique yeah yeah no no i know i totally hear you and, and i think this um uh this is, so for, for me okay so you know i'm part hispanic and <clears throat> You know, and I think the reason maybe for that is I've gone to, you know, uh, meetings and stuff, you know, where there's, you know, other people that are considered themselves conservative. And, you know, I see other Hispanics there, you know, a lot of them come from other countries and stuff. And a lot of them have different backgrounds than me. And, and I think for a lot of uh, people in the conservative movement, well, you know, we're talking about the voting patterns or there's not that many um black people that vote republican so you know i see some at you know occasionally at you know you know you know at a republican meeting or you know at a conservative type um thing and uh, but but i think a lot of them don't have that experience in their background to even speak to that and, and i think that's an issue it is an issue um for for me personally like going back to what i was saying about the the police thing um here in Fort Worth, um, they started doing the zero tolerance, um, you know, in the 90s. And a lot of my friends got, you know, these chips on their shoulders over that um, because of how we were treated. And and I remember um, if there, it seemed like you, you get these people, these police officers and the Hispanic Honor Society walks out and all of a sudden they're all down on their knees because the, the gang unit is there and they're challenging some of them to fights and stuff. And and I think, you know, there's those, you didn't have the internet back then. So it's not like that they were as familiar with the dress and everything and <clears throat> 
And I think there was a lot of mistakes made. Also, we, we saw a dramatic drop in crime in, in Derrick County, too. Yeah. And we, we, we have a, you know, the, the forward is really, you know, relatively speaking, there's dangerous parts, of course, but it's a pretty safe place to be. And, um, you know, it's a big, you know, thriving business community. We're growing, you know, um, eventually we're predicted to eventually overtake Dallas in size because Dallas is hemmed in. Fort Worth can keep growing westward. And um, <clears throat> we, we, you know, we, we've achieved something really great here and i feel like a lot of those police officers when i thinking back because I, I was so pissed off at the time being you know made to lay down in a puddle of water you know when i hadn't done nothing wrong and you know i, I know um i, I know um <clears throat> blacks like get get a lot worse than we do um usually you know than hispanics but um the uh, I, f- I feel like you know a lot of this. Uh, it, I feel like it's going to repeat itself in a lot of these cities where you got these high crime rates, and you start actually getting a leadership that's going to increase the police force because you have a lot of rookies that don't know what's what, and you get you get a lot of these. Pro- and I fi- and and I sort of look at it in those terms now, and um, I, I think you know I, I look to myself. Well, what did I do wrong? And yeah, that police officers probably shouldn't have spoken to me that way or treated me that way, but you know I try to see it from their point of view too, and. Um, so, but, but, you know, no, growing up, like the thing with, um, I, I remember, you know, cause we'd get into, um, the, the gang that, you know, I, I ended up, uh, joining the Latin Kings when I was in, in the nineties, they, um, they got their name, you know, where I was from cause they fought the KKK out back. Um, Southwest was one of those schools that turned from the, um, the rebel flag, you know, the Confederate flag to, um, the Raiders. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, it got surrounded by the Klan. Um, there was riot. Uh, they called in all the radio stations to those riots, and they had all the kings fight them out back. And you know, that's really cool if you beat up the Klan, right? You know, like. And I remember, you know, um, getting sucked into that lifestyle. And I think this is this is a perspective I have that maybe a lot of people, you know, in the conservative and even the academia, you know, most of them were liberal. I, I would tell them about my past, and they they thought it was funny. You know, it's like uh, you know, like, you know, it's just like they didn't you know like it wasn't real like you know it's just something different but I, I remember you know growing up and getting my front door kicked in every day having a bunch of thugs beating me up in my living room when I'm 11 12 years old police don't show up because you know they're they're, they're not killing me you know they're just bullying me you know just knocking me unconscious you know 20 of them living in my house <clears throat> and um and so you know I grew up scared and I started hanging around tough guys and you know and one day you know, I was looking, we were looking for a party, me and this random guy I ran into. We saw him at a gas station and we pulled up and I was like, hey, you know, what's up, Vato? You know, things like that. And they're like, they're, um, they say, they say, and a lot of them were like on some serious drugs. And there was like a whole bunch of carloads of them there at this gas station. And um, they said, uh, you know, because I'm I'm white, I'm Hispanic. When I went to an all white school, you know, I got called spick, you know, and <clears throat> for you having darker skin. But when I was around Hispanics, you know, it's white boy, it's wetto, you know. You know, I never really fit in, you know, totally anywhere. And um, I say, what? You ain't down, motherfucker. Why are you always hanging around us? You ain't down. And they said, you think you're down, motherfucker? You know, I thought to myself, you know, I'm like 15. I don't want to be like not down. I saw what happened. Sees what happened to those guys, you know. Yeah, I'm down. And all of a sudden, you know, I get my, my ass kicked for like the next 10 minutes. And it's just like, it doesn't stop, you know. And they had another gang there at their meeting. The other gang jumped in. Like, it, it was just, I remember being more concerned, like getting my K-Swiss back on than actually defending myself intelligently. And I was just getting knocked about. And this, this one police car finally pulls up and everybody jets. But 
but it, you know it's like a whole army you know i remember rolling the lights 48 carloads of people you know and it's, it was just a completely different time but the thing is is you know the next day i got two black eyes i'm cut up i'm walking into school i'm about to do the walk of shame you know that walk you know you got your ass kicked nobody wants to talk to you um but two caddies pull up and they said welcome to the kings and then all of a sudden it's like my, my i talk about the individual and your potential well this is my potential at the time yeah. and, and so i understand that and um i think you know i think a lot of people don't you know on either side and um you know, unless you go through something like that. And so um, I, I think it's, I can't, if, if I were to go, because I, I did some tutoring, you know, I tutored a lot of minority students and stuff. But I, I think for, you know, they're not going to look up to me if I go into like a black community and start, you know, trying to preach anything that I believe in. Um, but we need to find, I was talking earlier, you know, these black entrepreneurs, these black leaders, um, elevate them in their own communities. Um, and I think that's something that people in the conservative movement need to do because I, I think that you know individual responsibility um, is something we need to speak to and we also need because we we're talking about the community earlier um, you can treat it as a like a bludgeon a totalitarian bludgeon against the individual but uh, from the other side you still got to realize that it, it defines your potential and it defines your opportunities and so you know I, I, I hear what you're saying and it, it is a uh, something that's you know lacking right now and it and I like how you you position the how the community can really stifle individualism and i also and i think the black experience is we hear about individualism when george floyd is killed or when trayvon martin is killed they're like well what choices did they make and it's like this is the wrong time to be talking about agency from our perspective like i i totally understand the conservative ideology of they chose to they they made choices that got them into those places but but me, media what like for the spectacle or for the optics this is not the time to be bringing up agency to to communicate to me essentially this is this is the time to talk about well what are the things in the community that disenfranchise this person or that limited their opportunities because if you lead with that and then you say if we if we had this in their community they could have chosen that instead right and bring an agency later like that would be way more effective because all we ever hear is it feels or it feels like victim blaming now i hear both because i understand individualism but i to be honest gerald i learned about individualism uh july 2020 talking to rich and talking to conservatives who were saying things Things that I interpreted as racist and I, I just said you know what I'm gonna give up trying to prove my point and I'm gonna listen to what they're saying and it was it was hard because I had to just give up my position and assume they were right about everything and I was able to hear them 99% of people aren't doing that like no like no one is just gonna drop their position and trust somebody's um, angle and so I, I think we have to come up with ways that we can better communicate back and forward and I also understand that there are liberals that say wild things about conservative thought and you know they're background there there may be more progressive because um there's this things about the status quo that don't necessarily fit them uh, so now it's it's legal for gay marriage and things like that but i have some friends of mine that you know the status quo of marriage was something that was impossible for them for most of their life so it wasn't even an ideal to hold and there was no agency that would even change that right there was nothing they could do to adopt that mentality and so if the right isn't talking about your agency 
even if you're because you're not fitting the Christian morality, right? It it then sounds like agency isn't the only thing that the right cares about. It it sounds like the right does care about more religious things or, you know, controlling a woman's body, which is not agency. So it's like it's this back and forward of is it about individualism? Is it about freedom? Or is it about the status quo and keeping things as they were? And a lot of people's backgrounds back then was worse, right? And so that idea is scary. I mean, I know people that are fearful of conservative thought because they think the idea is to go back to yesterday or back to when they needed a green book to travel. Like, that's that's what people are internalizing these things at. And it's not being communicated as agency. And if it is agency, if it is individual freedoms and rights, then I don't get why it's so Christian. And I'm a Christian. I love being a Christian, but I don't, I don't get why that's part of it. I, I, to me, that has nothing to do with agency and, and, and individualism, or at least from a gay person's perspective or, you know, from someone who's Muslim and things like that. So there needs to be simplification or clarity on how it's communicated in my perspective to bring the gap, to bridge the gap to those more central left people. Cause there's a lot of us that we just, don't like we're not trying to censor free speech we're not trying to do any of that but it has become fearful to agree with some of the things that trump has might have positioned as individualism to you and populist parties to you but to us it comes off as as the past as as trying to remove all the things that maybe obama built and then uh, of course biden's doing that and that's a totally different thing about executive orders wiping out previous presidents i disagree with that completely but it, it just seems like we have this tug of war and it's because there's a lack of communication on both sides. Well, we're not doing that tonight. We're not doing that tonight. I mean, and this is, and Gerald, I, I, um, I mean, we've been talking for a couple of hours, so I think we need to call it. But I really, if you, if you want to, man, I would love to have you back. And I'd love to do just like a, a like single issue, like just dig into things or, or whatever. You, I mean, because, dude, people need to hear the way that you talk about this stuff. Because as a, as a former conservative and now as a, a, a left-leaning you know, diving into more collective thought, I can hear you. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? <laughs> and Chris can hear you coming from the other side. And so that's, it's just so important <laughs> to uh, speak about these things. A lot of, a lot of the ways that you spoke about them tonight. So I, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you for listening to Imperfect Allies. This is Chris. I just wanted to let y'all know we have an awesome episode next week with Stacey Harkey from Studio C. Yes, the one, the only. Featured on NBC's Bring the Funny and seen on Conan O'Brien. We have Stacey Harkey here. Join us next week as we discuss life as a black gay Mormon with a sprinkle of funny. So we just got finished listening to our podcast episode with Gerald, yeah. and we just want to talk about it. I mean, we have now had two conservatives mm-hmm. on our show. Like, look at us bridging the <laughs> gaps, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I think listening back, I think one of the things that really worked for the conversation was it wasn't until the end that Gerald started using talking points. And I think that was super important, right? He came at it from a very historical um, understanding and like context, which is sorely lacking. He came at it with a, you know, of course he's knowledgeable. I mean, the guy's, you know, <laughs> definitely super intelligent. Um, and, and you could sense sort of his spirit too. He's a very kind hearted man uh, yeah. coming out of all the things that he's come out of. He didn't want to be that guy. He, he was scared and looked for the tough guy and man, what, what a, what a phrase uh, for the last 
I don't know, 12 years with Republicans. I just, I'm scared. And I'm going to look for the tough guy. Yeah. And boy, boy, oh boy, uh, they did. And, uh, you know, the only time that I thought it was, it was like, the di- I felt a disconnect was when those talking points got brought up about, um, you know, fatherless children and stuff like that, which, which I don't think, I don't know how to talk about in this sort of discourse because it's, it's, it's almost like a, a, um, it shuts people down. It shuts me down for sure. Right. Yeah. When the, when we talk about well, the problem is black culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I think we hit on it after the fact, mm-hmm. and this is a, I think a big issue of how it's always presented is that's an American issue. So let's stop with it being a black mm. American issue because it's, it's uh, across the board yeah. now. Yes. The more disenfranchised you are, you're going to be exponentially impacted by the negative facts, of, yeah. the negative aspects of your country. Right. Yeah. That's, but that has nothing to do with being black. That has more to do with being uh, in poverty in a country that is having morality issues across the board and and, and maybe even extreme individualism mm-hmm. in relationships. Like, right. I'm not a partner. I'm myself. Right. So it, it, I, I do struggle with that. And, but we kind of got around it. I. I, I will say, Richie, because I do digest so much conservative information, it was very hard for me to hear a lot of it mm. um, because I, I guess, and this is the crazy thing, maybe it's because I have a bias towards anecdotal experiences that he started to share towards the end. Yeah. And he did talk about like his exodus from the academia. Yeah. But but it to me I I heard so much of the consistent conservative spiel, which maybe might just be the reality. And I have to I have to mm. check myself on that and okay. go, hmm, maybe this is a consistent story, right? And and this is the honest reality. This is the anecdotal truth is that I was in academia and, and I felt pushed out and I I didn't make enough money. And then I tried this other thing and boom, financially, I jumped through the roof and I was like, oh, I need to I need to eat more of this up. This thing is working. Yeah. And and he even said it's not about materialism. It's just about, you know, focus on the freedoms of the individual and and the self uh, agency and the self advocacy of doing making the right choices mm-hmm. and challenging yourself. But it was it was very it was very hard for me through a lot of it. And he 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 pointed out the joke he of his his professor skills were on display. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but aside from that, I think once he started expressing areas of growth in inside his inside the conservative community, I I could start I, I, my ears perked up. I was oh, like, oh, okay, wow. he's talking about something now, <laughs> which is it, you know that's my own bias. But mm-hmm. but if we're looking for through lines, you know that that was huge for me um, because the rest of it I it was very crazy. But I kept hearing the word superior. Mm-hmm. I heard the word um, like. Uh, what were the words? It was, I heard individualism, superior facts, right, um, like all all these judgment calls on the conservative way of life. Yeah. Whereas normally I I'm not I'm not getting hit over the head on a way to be like what is true like uh, many of our guests i'm hearing their story um and and gerald said that he doesn't he doesn't really consider himself that conservative label right so i want to speak to that and 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 use his words that he chose because he definitely didn't say that you know he believes that conservatism is for everybody or anything like that and he wants to force it upon people but i do think a big piece of that hierarchy is saying like hey this is the top of the hierarchy Mm. and i i felt that i felt 
a lot of uh, the conservative talking points of that judgment. And it is, it isn't, I, I don't think it's intentionally to say I'm judging you. It is the key aspect of individualism is you have to be judging yourself to know if you're moving in the right direction. Mm. Right. And, and, and so it's just, I can say that because I've studied conservatism and I've studied all that, but I think a listener who is far on the left, they're not thinking judgment is the internal judgment and that Gerald, the whole conversation he had with us, he's had with himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like people Mm -hmm. aren't hearing that. And, and so it was really hard for me to tune back in and and like find Gerald in it all because I kept hearing the consistent conservative voice, but I need to work on myself and work on that because I bet the left sounds just as ridiculous and and consistently saying the same old, same old. That's really interesting, man, because I didn't, I, I, and I'm not, I listen to conservative voices and well, really anything in, in, uh, uh, fits and starts. Uh, a lot of times, I find it really difficult, and it, and it sounds like a similar experience where I feel judged and like I, I, there's no place for me here. Like this is you're, we're not even you know I didn't hear that until the end, and it's interesting that you heard that throughout because I was so excited because it felt like <laughs> it felt like he he wasn't doing that, and 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 so so that's good insight. That's good insight. That's, so sh- but share what you heard. I, I want to hear all of that. As yeah. Well. well, no, I mean, um, like like he said, like you know, um, the ability to set, to, to acknowledge that, uh, the Republican party and even the nation, like, I think he was, he was more aligned with, a, um, sort of upholding the constitution. Like that's, that's the, that's really kind of my higher power here. It's not about mm-hmm. a particular party. Um, and I think that he, th- he, he has the ideology that the conservative party is more in line with that. Um, and I think well thought out whether we can disagree with him or not. I didn't agree with him on a lot of, right. a lot of what he said. And I, um, I had to stop myself to like, hey, what about this? What about this? Um, and just let him talk um, because yeah, I we did to, a good job of just listening. I wanted to hear, you know, I wanted to hear what he had to say because I think because even if we disagree, it's important that we listen to one another, and mm-hmm. and that's not being taught. That's not that's not shown importance. It's liberals are crazy and conservatives are evil, and that's it. We will never talk to one another if that's the case. If that's <laughs> the case, right? And yeah. um, so what I heard was a conservative that. Um, that did have a plan or at least did think about how to deal with the poor. A conservative mm-hmm. who did have a, a, a plan um, or, or at least thought about uh, dealing with racial inequality in some way. Um, yeah. I did I did ke- pick up on using ethnicity versus race. And that to me is a that to me is a cop out because even though race does not exist and was was made in the 1600s, uh, it's we talk about all the time there are real consequences for race still and mm-hmm. um you know and and so you know i i guess that was a big part of it um you know there, there are things that stuck, that's that's really that's really the biggest thing was the the ability to to be critical of your own of your own origins or even of your own ideal ideology or thoughts uh, or the people that represent those um i thought that was really really important and uh, the other thing too is I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting about the centralization of power, like we, you know, yeah. decentralizing that to the states. Now again, that's that then it becomes well, this state allows abortion, this state allows gay marriage, this state allows interracial marriage. This state, you know, there's like because people don't talk. I mean, we don't talk about how close interracial marriage was illegal. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, these these things are really, really close. And the I guess, um, you know, the, 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 those are my two. I had a third takeaway is that um, I really appreciated the historical context like that. Mm-hmm. That is so, so important. So, so important. And didn't, I mean, and, and it wasn't, he wasn't doing what I've seen people do. Uh, well, you know, it is the, I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say that, that I, that I have seen, you might've seen them because you're, you're a little deeper in the conservative stuff than I am right now. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, when, when, when he talked about the historical context or other countries or the you know, parapolitical stuff, right, all these different countries, um, that didn't seem to be too particularly partisan, which I thought was cool. But again, I, I'm not in I'm not in those circles right now, so it, it may be it sounds like there's so, more more of those talking points. So the historical piece is so conservative, and it's sad that liberals aren't doing that better mm. uh, because the historical piece is is very it's a very good barometer on being able to see what America is doing right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the conservatives do go to those historical pieces because, you know, if you're talking about places that have abolished slavery, you know, America is in the early adopting phase. Yeah. So, you know, we can't we can't forget those mm-hmm. things and conservatives bring those up. So I've heard a lot of it before, but I am again, I, I think it is important for us to notice the different ears we have because there's a lot of listeners mm-hmm. that aren't di- di- <laughs> I'm dived in, y'all. I'm really uh, I'm <laughs> In the He's taking one for the team here because like, <laughs> I can't do yeah. it right now, man. I can't do if, it. If I went through, like, I, I subscribe. I, I let's just put it this way: I had to keep sending my Trump um, campaign emails to the trash because I get them so frequently. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how deep I am. They're like, "Hey, Patriot, we need you." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, uh, sorry, wrong person." <laughs> let, me, let me send this to somebody I know because it's not me. But but I th- I do agree that Gerald did a great job of speaking to those historical pieces for our listeners and shedding some light on I, I love the discussion about how ethnicity has been used against the people how how religion has been used against mm-hmm, the people mm-hmm. you know if you're a Christian and you don't know that the Roman uh, that Rome adopted Christianity right <laughs> like it, it's solely for a power play mm-hmm. and and those things are real um, but at the same time we always talk about this the people though they needed the the government to become Christian so they felt acknowledged right mm-hmm. so it, at, at the same time it was a power play but but it it was effective because it it reflected the people. It wasn't solely that the people were mindlessly tricked. It was that the government said, "Hey, I see you," and apparently no one else was saying that. And you know, so as a black man in my country, if my, if one government is saying "I see you" and the other one is saying "What you think you are is not real," or "Don't like you aren't who you say you are," or "You're just race baiting," or "You're picking and choosing when you're black," like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna listen to you. I'm sorry. And and I hate it because I love some of the conservative thought. I mean, if that makes me bigoted, I got a lot of bigoted tendencies. Mm. <laughs> so wow. it's like, but I still have never voted conservative, right. regardless of how much what they say speaks to me. And and so it's just I'm I was happy to have him on. I was happy to have the discussion. And I, I'm, I still would love a, a conservative candidate that get, that wins my vote because I'm actually
actually like on the corner like hey <laughs> i'm here <laughs> you can pick me up <laughs> and they're, they're not they're not noticing me mm-hmm. they're they're picking up the same old same old so mm-hmm. with the conservative or uh, with the um the rebel flag bikinis and i'm yeah, like yo yeah that's I can't, not... I can't wear that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, um, those are the kind of conversations that I want to have with, with people that are different than me or think differently than me or have different beliefs and that super respectful, um, super informed. And, and there is a level of like a level of empathy, you know, coming from, cause he did the same thing. He didn't try to correct us. And I'm sure I, I know I misspoke <laughs> because I do all the time. Uh, so you know that level of discourse this this is what's this is what's needed and i think i think he was on to something with the uh, podcast thing too because um i don't know i just i i think that maybe where things are going uh, strangely enough Amen. um yeah because you know, it's it's a return and- to radio really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the only free it's the only free land left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do agree that the tech industries have rooted out competition. So, oh, yeah. you know, my interpretation of monopoly has not been considered the is there competition route. I, so I, I, I agree with what he said there, because every time I hear it, it's like, well, it's not a monopoly because they built what it is. Right. The railroad got subsidized in many ways. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that that does happen. There, there weren't a lot of competing railroad companies that you got the, the bid or you didn't. Right. But but I, I, I do want to say, Gerald, thank you for being so vulnerable on telling mm-hmm. us your story mm-hmm. and how you got to conservatism. And what I what I'm seeing is, you know, the connection between him and Eris, mm-hmm. because they're the only two conservatives we have. And as as people on the left, we generalize. So I'm generalizing right now. <laughs> but um, both of them have a story of overcoming a painful past yeah. and pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, may it be. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like Gerald had a whole career lined up before he switched up. Yeah. And, and so that needs to be noted. Like, he did didn't become he wasn't born into conservative thought and right and Eris, on the other hand he he kind of picked it up at a re- very young age mm-hmm. but both of them had rough physically yeah. violent past yeah. right and I, I i've read enough books one by thomas soul called intellects and society yeah. and intellectuals who have not experienced those things you can't you can't judge someone for being conservative if you haven't even been to the depths that they've been in so it's it, i'm very glad that we had him on i'm very yeah. glad that our listeners got to hear that story because he got personal towards the end and i, I was afraid to challenge any of his thought I, I was i wanted to just be listening the whole time but then i realized some of our listeners aren't able to hear him and that's why i started asking kind of the questions because i wanted him to speak to them and he did boy yeah. did he like yeah he did such a good job there and so i he was a great i, I want him back for yeah, sure for sure i mean i think i think it's it's voices like his that we can because we can talk to him <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know and saying? i wasn't sure at first yeah. like my own my own preconceived mm-hmm. bigoted biased thoughts were like i'm just gonna have to let this dude go and yeah you know i i'm not gonna be able to challenge him because he he might not be able to take it and i was wrong for that because he 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 took me places i wasn't expecting if you enjoyed listening to what jared had to say to hear the whole interview please join us on patreon we have the whole candid conversation with gerald because it was phenomenal and for time constraints you know we had to cut it because he just has so many amazing things to say but if you want to hear that join us on patreon we have so many great added value there full candids full interviews so hey let's keep growing the show